Because of the way the universe is created, we each of us live in two worlds at the same time. We have to live in the outer life of our own bodies and the inner life of our own souls. Hello and welcome to Living the Inner Life. I'm your host, Chris Sheridan, and I want you to join me on a journey of discovery and inquiry into our inner lives, this interior aspect of ourselves, our thoughts, our feelings, our beliefs, our life experience, everything that we use to take in the outside world and to process it, interpret it, and develop a response and how we interact with the people in our lives and the things that we do. Okay. Now, a lot of our functioning in our inner lives, this part of our bodies as well, it's all very connected, is very old. It comes from a time when we were more primitive creatures before society and culture and modern times have changed the way we work. Think of eh, more tribal or even caveman times. Much of what we did, much of what we used to interpret the outside world had something to do with survival, okay? There was the elements with weather, and there were animals, creatures that wanted to kill us, (laughs) and it was a struggle. It was a struggle to survive. Now, in a lot of ways, we don't have those struggles anymore. Now, every day, yes, can be a struggle for survival, but we're not quite as concerned with a tiger catching up to us uh, as we would have been perhaps a thousand years ago, or even just a couple hundred years ago. The creatures around us uh, were a threat if you lived on the edge of town or in the wilderness. And when we had guns, that changed things. We were able to fend off these attackers, these predators. And now we have new dangers to face. Dangers with our career, our reputation, Okay, our relationships, money. <laughs> There's all these things we have to deal with that primitive man wasn't quite as concerned with. It was a little more direct, a little more honest, and very real. It was a very real connection with nature and everything that posed a threat to us. And to that, our bodies either developed or were somehow designed or evolved in such a way that we have a fight-or-flight response. Now, this is also added to which fight, flight, or freeze. These are the responses that we have. And using, I guess, more of a caveman type, uh, fight or flight. And animals do this too. Some animals, when they respond to a predator or a would-be attacker or some danger, their instinct is to turn around, face the danger, and go after it. Fight it directly, okay? Other animals, like herd animals, if they're being attacked, their response is to flee, is to run. You can see this with gazelles or antelope, you know, running from a tiger or a cheetah. Their response then is to flee. So they're going to take flight and they're going to try to run away as far and as fast as they can from these predators. Now, that may change in the course of the pursuit that if a attacker catches up with you, you may be forced, or the antelope or wildebeest may be then forced to turn in on the predator and try to stab it with its horns or do some other way of fending for itself. But that might be a secondary response, but it's still 
in this autonomic nervous system, okay, are fight, flight, or freeze. Some animals freeze. If they have camouflage uh, and can adapt to their environment, they're good at hiding, the best thing you can do is freeze. Because some predators, their eyes respond more to movement, changes in what's going on. If something moves or changes, they'll recognize it. But if you just stay still and blend in with the furniture and hope they don't see you, chances are you may survive if that's the type of animal you are. But we're human beings and we have this autonomic nervous system and it's very, very strong. We need it. It is very important to our survival. But some things have happened with modern day living that have changed how we use or how this autonomic system works on us. Okay. So actually there's two aspects, this autonomic nervous system. Well, that's a mouthful. One is the sympathetic. That's the fight or flight or freeze. And the other one is like the opposite of that. And that's the parasympathetic nervous system, which you might call digest and relax <laughs> instead of fight or flight. It's the opposite of that. And the way it works is the sympathetic nervous system, when we're in this fight or flight mode, our heart rate increases, the eyes open up because we may need, you know, the blood, we need our eyes to be uh, most of our senses to be hyper aware. We have to have the blood going. Our heart breathing will increase too because it's, it's connected to all our organs and it makes these go on alert, very, very active. And it also shuts down reproductive digestion, other things like that that we don't really need to be bothered with. Because for the most part, at least in ancient times or primitive times, when there's a danger, especially a lethal danger, you're either going to get away or you're going to kill it or it's going to kill you. End of story. So it's generally something that doesn't last too long. It's like an emergency power that goes online. And then when the danger is passed, and hopefully we've survived the danger, then the parasympathetic part of our autonomic nervous system kicks in. And the heart rate slows down, the eyes return to normal, digestion goes back to normal, because you really don't, if you want to run and you're trying to get away from a cheetah, you really don't need to be digesting. It's, it's not as important. It diverts all that attention, but it brings it back then with our parasympathetic response after the danger has passed. So then digestion, normal heart rate, we go back to our homeostasis are staying the same, the baseline, stress-free, hopefully, uh, part of our lives because we're not confronted with this danger, all right? So that works really well when there's a real, actual, and factual danger. It's what we need to survive in this world. What's changed is our dangers, okay? They're not quite the creature's that they used to be. There are threats. There are dangers, some of them lethal. And some of them not so lethal in the physical sense, but devastating in our personal sense. They may attack who we are as a person, 
our reputation, our standing in society, anything that goes at our self-image could be under attack. Now, we respond with these things the same way we normally would respond to a predator, say an animal trying to attack us, okay? It's the same autonomic nervous system with our sympathetic, that is this fight, flight, or freeze, and then the parasympathetic, which is the antidote, it's the release that comes after when everything returns back to normal, okay? So an example of how this works on a danger, and it doesn't matter if it's perceived or real, okay? As long as it's perceived, it may be real or not. If it's perceived as real, our body kicks in. We don't have to tell it to do that. When we stress and we feel that we are under threat in some way, we respond with our autonomic nervous system and fight, flight, or freeze kicks in with our sympathetic aspect of that nervous system. Also produces adrenaline because we need that if we have to run or if we have to fight. So we get on alert and we're on this hyper <laughs> alertness. So here's an example of how this works on something that could be a real threat or maybe not a real threat. Either way, it's perceived as one. So you're out in your yard, you're in the backyard, grass is tall, and oh my God, you see a snake. Crap, there's a snake. What do I do? Well, if you have a shovel and you're geared that way, you may want to kill it before it gets you. Could be a poisonous snake. I don't know. Do you know? Either way, it's we're trained. It's a very primitive thing. You know, here's a snake. Here's something that could hurt us, could harm us. What do we do? Well, say you don't have a broom or a shovel on you or you're not the type that would want to kill an animal, even unless it were maybe under dire conditions, but this one maybe not so much, but you're scared and you're in this mode, fight or flight. So then you can run. Maybe you can outrun the snake. Well, that would be great. And you can do that. Uh, but then what? It's still going to be lurking in your yard somewhere. Okay. Or you could freeze. And some people do, even when there's an imminent danger. Uh, but then you stop. And if it's a real snake, you're going to get away from it, and you're going to kill it, or whatever you're going to do, once the danger passes, or the snake maybe just slithers away on its own, then the parasympathetic kicks in, the adrenal, uh, adrenal glands, you know, through your kidneys, stop producing <laughs> these chemicals, uh, produce other chemicals, you relax, uh, that's why a lot of time after a danger has passed. Uh, there's this release. You know, you can feel endorphins and you're high-fiving each other like, wow, we survived. You know, that's that parasympathetic kicking in. And what it does is it cancels out the alert. Okay, you're on red alert. This cancels that. And it produces opposite chemicals to restore you back to your normal way of being. But what if you look at that snake in the grass a little bit longer and you realize, oh my God, it's a garden hose. <sighs> Same thing. The danger has passed. You have a good laugh at yourself. Parasympathetic kicks in. Your heart rate slows down. The adrenaline stops because you don't need it. You have a nice laugh at yourself. You tell your friends. They laugh at you because you were so worried about it. And it was a garden hose all the time. And you were scared about nothing. So it still works the same way. All right. All right. 
Let's take this another level. What if it's something in your personal life, something that isn't quite so physical? It's not a physical danger like a snake or other animal or a person, I suppose. Anything that might, or you're in a precarious position on the side of a cliff or something. Uh, something that's not quite so physical like that, but something that I know people fear public speaking, people fear the dentist, people fear all kinds of things. And sometimes we don't know what that is or even why that is. Different people have different fears. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a phobia. It could just be an adverse response to something. Okay. Somebody can say something harmful to us. Remember that? Sticks and stones break my bones. Words are very harmful, or they can be, or at the very least, they can be perceived as being very dangerous, very threatening, devastating. Talk to a high school person, all right? It's life or death. It's the end of the world if something goes wrong, if you lose your reputation, or if you do something embarrassing, and then people laugh at you. How are you going to go to school the next day? It's horrible, okay? Or it can be. We respond in different ways to different things, but we have our reputation. We have our sense of self, okay? If it's not the physical body being attacked by a snake or a cheetah, we have this personal sense of ourself, our self-esteem, our self-concept. That could very easily be put under attack on social media, it could be in person. doesn't even have to be face-to-face. -face. You know, somebody could write something bad about you and send the email to everybody else in the office. And maybe your job is threatened. It's not life or death, but it sure feels like that. Okay? And the same thing happens. The parasympathetic nervous system goes out the window. The sympathetic takes over the fight or flight. And we are producing adrenaline, and we're doing all those things. The digestion stops, okay? The heart rate speeds up, the eyes open up, and we're on alert. But the problem is, and there's a number of problems, one of the problems is that there isn't this imminent thing. There isn't this actual snake or tiger or whatever it is that's coming after you, okay? It's there. It's real-ish, but you can't really address it. You can't really run from it. You can't flee. You can't really fight it directly. And if you freeze, you're just going to get hurt by it. So you're put in this alert position, okay? All systems, red alert, DEFCON 5. You're ready for action, and there's really nothing you can do. So what happens is you can stay in this state, this fight-or-flight state, physiologically. For a long time, much longer than, say, a more physical danger, immediate danger would pose. And you can actually think about it. You can think about the potential of the threat or if your reputation is at stake or somebody made some disparaging comment about you or your hair, the way you look or something. You can think about that and you can think about it again. And it'll set that in motion. Now, we know physiologically we can use our thoughts to produce a response. If you think of a, a lemon, just cutting into the lemon and, and, you know, the smell of it. And you take a bite and it, those glands in the 
back of your cheeks start watering and you scrunch your face up and squint your eyes and, oh, it's a lemon. Because we know what that feels like if we've experienced a lemon before. But you can think about that and you can actually get a physiological response. You can produce that response just on the image of the thing, just on feeling the idea of that. And if something is attacking our personal sense of who we are, since you can't really fight it and can't really run away from it, you can stay in that state for an extended period of time. Okay, You could get in that state every day, 10 times a day, where you're feeling that. And that turns into stress because, you know, it's a stress hormone. You need that. You are under, supposed to be under stress if the sympathetic is going to kick in and produce this fight or flight. But you can't get out of it, okay? You can't kill it. You can't run from it. And freezing doesn't really help. And you don't get that response like you would once you find out it's a garden hose or it's a paper tiger. It's not a real tiger. It's a paper tiger. It looks scary. <laughs> But it's nothing. It was a shadow. It was an odd shadow that went across the room. It's not really a ghost. I'm going to be okay. And you can laugh at yourself and you have that release. You don't really get that when we're dealing with interpersonal relations and attacks of our character. They even call it character assassination. Okay? And it can feel like the end of the world. And people do make it the end of the world. It can be so devastating. Okay? Especially, like I said, with teenagers and really with anybody. It can happen at any stage of life. But it happens a lot more now because we're not confronted with these physical dangers as much. We are confronted with emotional dangers, dangers to our sense of who we are, not just the breathing, living body, but our self-concept, okay? That can come under attack and feel that way. But the problem is we can't really get rid of it it doesn't really go away. And then we get this rush of the other chemicals and the digestion picks up again and the heart rate slows down. We can spend a lot of our time, a lot of our days with sped up heart rate, stress hormones kicking in, and digestion stopping. Okay, And I think that may be some of the reasons, at least a contributing factor, behind a lot of the disorders that we have. Sleep disorders, uh, digestive problems, they seem to be running rampant, may not just be the food. It may be that we are spending a lot of time in this fight or flight mode, and there isn't a way to relieve it. Okay, so we need to see these things as paper tigers. We need to get back to sticks and stones may break by bones. That's a good use of the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight to kick in when there's sticks and stones potentially breaking your bones. But the rest of that nursery rhyme or school saying is, but words will never hurt me. Hmm. Words can be devastating, especially when we live in a world more with words and speaking and people posting things on media. Uh, more than sticks and stones are getting hurled at us, okay? It's a very real threat, and we respond to it in a very real way. But we can't get that real relief because it doesn't really go away because we can bring it up again. We can think it. We can feel that. We can elicit 
that fight or flight response. Well, what if the boss yells at me? Well, what if I get fired? Well, what if she doesn't want to go out on a date with me? Well, what if they laugh at me because of you know, the way my hair looks or whatever it is? You know, it can be devastating. It can be paralyzing, you know, in, in every sense of the word, really. So what we need to do is, first of all, recognize that these things, as frustrating and as difficult as they may be, they are not 100% going to kill us, okay? Even if it feels like, even if it feels worse than death. Some people fear public speaking more than they feel de- uh, fear death, which I think is kind of weird, but it's, it's, I guess it's true. It's, it's in the literature anyway. Uh, people, some people feel that way, okay? It can be very, very difficult to do some of these things, to handle uh, the traumas and the losses and the difficulties and frustrations and dangers of a thousand and one kinds that we face in our lives all the time. But when we get in this fight or flight mode and there's no way out of it, we're really doing ourselves a greater danger. Okay. It, you may be safer with sticks and stones and snakes and tigers and things of that sort. Because those will either kill you or you're going to get away. One or the other, it'll be over soon, <laughs> one way one way or the other. But with reputation on the line, with your self-concept, your self-esteem, your sense of who you are, that is perceived as being under attack. There's no way out. Unless we can somehow get to the point to we recognize, okay, this sucks. Somebody said something really bad about me, and wow, that was embarrassing, or I feel terrible, or wow, that just really knocked me down, all right? They say the pen is mightier than the sword, okay? That's the other side of the sticks and stones things. Words can hurt. They can be very devastating, but we have to get to where we see them as paper tigers. They're scary. They get our attention, but ultimately, they're not going to hurt us if we make sure we don't let them, okay? So we want to get back to homeostasis where things are the same. We want that parasympathetic nervous system or part of our autonomic nervous system to kick in, stop the adrenaline, reduce the heart rate, get everything else going, get the digestion going again, return to normal, return to a relaxed state. And then we can sleep better. We can digest our food better don't have as much stress in our daily lives, and we can save that sympathetic fight-or-flight part of ourselves for more real dangers, because there are things we should be concerned with. But if we make these other things, these things of the mind, things of the heart, if we make them so dangerous and so devastating, it's going to be really hard to get out of them. And honestly, I'll say it again, I think this is behind a lot of the troubles that we have these days. We make these things so big and so dangerous and seemingly so deadly, our bodies are responding that way. We don't have the release. So we have to find a way maybe to laugh at ourselves, okay? Or laugh at the person who's trying to attack you or play it out, okay? Well, if I get fired, then I get fired. It's not the end of the world. I can find another job. If you feel like it's the end of the world, it's going to feel like the end of the world. If it's fight or flight, or if I 
don't get this. It's going to be terrible. Or if this thing does happen, it's going to be the end. It's going to be devastating. Try to reframe that. Okay? Our survival depends on it. Actually, our reaction to these things is more dangerous to your health and well-being than these personal attacks really are. Okay? So, that's the fight, flight, or freeze part of ourselves that gets kicked in when we need it. Unfortunately, it gets kicked in a lot when we don't need it, and there's no snake to kill or to run from, and there's no release of, oh, it was a garden hose all along. Maybe a lot of these things are a garden hose, okay? Let's try to look at them like that. Paper tiger. Looks scary, might startle you, but ultimately harmless. So let's not think of them as being harmful and dangerous and so threatening to our existence, okay? We can be stronger than that. Well, think about that. Try to relax. And we can also do any kind of thing that causes that relaxation response. If it's meditation, if it's sleeping, if it's going for a walk, if it's exercise, you can get yourself in back into that parasympathetic, back to homeostasis, back to where you're breathing, your stress levels, and really importantly, your digestion is happening in the most normal and natural way as it's supposed to. Okay? So, don't freeze, don't fight, don't flee, relax and enjoy, and let the garden hose be a garden hose, and the paper tiger be made out of paper, and enjoy a more harmonious, more balanced, less stressed life. And that's living the inner life.